Jessica poured out her story in a great cascading waterfall of self-accusation. She described herself with every vile, vicious name she could think of. By the time the unhappy story was told, Jessica Wakefield had unmasked herself as a horrific criminal. I see, Dr. Hammond said at last. And do you believe your rejection of Annie led to her trying to kill herself with all those pills? I'm sure of it, said Jessica. I don't know how I'll ever be able to live with myself. Dr. Hammond pressed his hands together and stared at Jessica for a long time. Do you really want to help Annie? He asked at last. Oh, yes, if I can, said Jessica. That's why I came to you. I don't know, he said slowly. Perhaps it's possible. Now, Jessica, you must tell me something. Are you willing to have Annie on the cheerleading squad? If you aren't, then please say so right now. It would be terrible to raise her hopes and then let her down again. That would be quite traumatic. Jessica squeezed her eyelids closed, trying to hold back the tears and keep control. Elizabeth leaned over and held her hand. I should have never kept her off, Jessica said. Sure, I'll make her part of the squad, if that will help. Right. <laughs> Whose idea was this? Mine. <laughs> Are you a Jessica or an Elizabeth? I can't wait till Jessica and Elizabeth murder each other. <laughs> Wolfields! Hey, she was a drunk single mom before it was cool. It's Elizabeth Gomez. She tried out for the cheerleading squad, but couldn't even do a cartwheel. So everyone, guffawed. <laughs> it's Adrian Gunn. I don't know why you would say that and laugh at my pain. It is still a hurtful memory. And this is Wokefield, where two middle-aged comedians realize all their problems started with Sweet Valley High. Each week, we read a Sweet Valley High novel and talk about how the most beautiful twins in the land, Jessica and Elizabeth, completely fucked up our ideas about being a girl in America. <laughs> Today, we're talking about the 10th book in this series, Wrong Kind of Girl, where there's a hoe in this house. Ho, ho. And an American Idol-level cheerleading tryout and an unbelievable plot twist that required a serious trigger warning. Then we'll welcome our guest, Kim L. Hunt, inductee of Chicago's LGBT Hall of Fame, founding co-host of Outspoken LGBTQ Storytelling, which used to be live, but now you can find it in podcast form on iTunes and Spotify. And she's an incredible shoe addict. Kim is going to help us figure out my main question, which is, how slutty do you actually have to be to be labeled a slut? And can you even be a cheerleader if you come from a broken home? No. No, the answer you is definitely no, you can't. Cannot. <laughs> and then we'll play Surviving Sweet Valley High, a game about situations and how to make the most calculated moves I'm to survive. I'm super excited <laughs> about so that. Fun. Do you think so Kim fun. will survive Sweet Valley High? I don't Valley think high. she's going to do it because she is a thoughtful person. <laughs> Adrian, yes. this book, yes. definitely one of my top favorites so yes. far. I am so excited to talk about it. Yes. I can't wait to find out what Kim thinks about it, but let's do the recap. Okay, let's do it. So, Annie, <laughs> Annie Whitman is... Slut, slut, slut. 
This vixen walks into Sweet Valley High with some cheerleading <laughs> skills. Just say that she's a 15 year old girl. <laughs> I <laughs> like slutty, slutty, slutty. I'm- this girl is 15 years old. She doesn't even have a driver's license. We don't know if she's menstruating yet. She is a child, but a slut. I know. And I I found this book crazy because, um, you know, I don't know if you got, because you read the hardback, but I read the Kindle version. Okay. And in the Kindle version, there is like a foreword from Francine Pascal. What? Yes. And in it, she talks about the fact that she decided that she was going to write these books based on her experience as a female teenager and having raised three young daughters. What? And she also says that the reason that she started this book was the Bible and <laughs> and that the book and that the book uh, the books that she had been reading up until this point had been missing something. What? And guess what? She's the Judy Bloom of her generation. <laughs> and guess what it was missing? What? Girl power. Oh, wow. Well, Which- this book is full of girl power if you call girl power being a total cunt and not letting a slutty 15 year old onto the cheerleading squad that is go, correct girls go yeah. and if you start rumors and to completely destroy someone's life because of the fact that they like to go to night swims with men well okay let's back up okay so who is annie whitman annie whitman is 15 years old she's new to sweet valley high we always mm-hmm. get a new character every always. every every book and um she is a product of a broken home She's also very beautiful. Green eyes, black hair. You know, it's one of our very few dark haired characters She's we've a dark received. Girl, but it doesn't matter because she can do a cartwheel into a split. It is true. So Jessica Wakefield is super upset. She yes. has started this. You know, she's the uh, co-captain of the cheerleading squad, along with chubby old, previously oh, fat Robin Wilson, <laughs> now now skinny and abiding by all Sweet Valley rules. Robin Wilson, co-captain of the cheerleaders. So they're going to have an epic cheerleading tryout that's comprised of 75 people. 75 people. When I read this, and they tell us this over and over again, it is not a mistake. It is clearly intended. I was like, how many people are in the junior class at Sweet Valley High where there are enough 75 girls that all want to be cheerleaders, and there's only two spots? There's only two spots. And Jessica Wakefield is definitely not going to give any of those two spots to Annie Whitman, Definitely slutty not. tween. And the cheerleading squad is only seven people. And, which I was like, this seems strange, but okay, maybe it's like the 90s. Also, as we learn- Well, it's actually 84. Okay. Well, also, as we learn at the tryouts, like the biggest moves are like a double cartwheel into a split. I mean, it's ridiculous. I was like, these bitches clearly did not watch Cheer on Netflix. So like, you have to do some fucking tumbling, but not at Sweet Valley High. The top requirement is not being a slut, and being beautiful. That's correct. And Jessica is like, you know what? These two positions are going to go to my best friend. Kara. And my other friend that I like a lot, too. Sarah, Sandra Bacon or something yeah, like that. Yeah, fucking Sandra, Sandra Bacon. Bacon. We're that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, during this time, Elizabeth uh, or Annie decides that she wants to join the squad. In yes. order to join the squad, she has to get her grades up. Yes. In order to get her grades up, she needs to reach out to guess who? Elizabeth Wakefield. Obviously, I mean, there is nothing more than Sweet Valley High loves than a transformation story. And in this one, Annie is going to get her shit together. Elizabeth Wakefield's going to tutor her in math. Elizabeth Wakefield tutors everybody and everything. Last time it was English. Now it is math. She's a fucking genius. And Annie's going to get grades up. She's going to join the cheerleading squad. And it's unclear if she's going to no longer be a slut, if that's part of her plan. Though Elizabeth is like, well, just these other things will help with that. 
For sure. And Elizabeth definitely understands and learns exactly how Annie becomes a slut because she meets Annie's single mom, Martini Maven, with a man piece, Johnny. I gotta say, Annie's mom was very painful to me. We will get into it in the conversation, all the reasons why. But basically, Annie's mom is a single mother. She had Annie when she was 16 years old. So now, of course, she's also beautiful. And her apartment is impeccably decorated in a modern Modern. style. Mm -hmm. She's wearing white pants. Which means red leather couches, I'm sure. Yes, yes. But the bitch is drunk. The bitch is drunk. She's not paying attention to Annie. Well, she isn't paying attention because she has a new boy and his name is Johnny. And Johnny is a creepy man, grown man, who doesn't understand what pedophile means. Well, I think he he knows. He just doesn't care. (laughs) He sort of hits on Elizabeth as she's trying to leave. Elizabeth's reactions every time she's at Annie's house are like what we should give to white women who vote for Trump. Like it is just beyond her. She is so aghast. Like when she sees this like gross boy friend of the mother she's like oh thank god ned wakefield is good looking and an attorney (laughs) i mean it's just like so embarrassing the privilege but elizabeth also is like annie i understand why you're such a slut now yes you have this single mom who likes to drink and you know bang men yeah so So, you're a whore obviously (laughs) what could the other outcome be there is no other way that you can live your life so then afterwards um jessica finds out you know jessica's trying to prevent annie from getting onto the squad she finds out that elizabeth has been tutoring annie allowing annie's great grades to go up and then if her grades go up she is also eligible for the squad right and this is not acceptable to jessica right and somehow the cheerleading tryouts take up this entire fucking book but also in a shocking twist it wasn't that boring it was kind of fun (laughs) and there was no b plot which i was like so excited because b plots are bbb boring okay i mean i think the b plot was supposed to be the relationship between annie and cheerleading squad manager ricky capaldo known short person also very noted unattractive person yes but why are they they were very serious about letting you know that ricky capaldo was not hot but he was caring and he comes in becomes the hero of the book obviously when after jessica has worked her magic yes she she rallies the votes she fucking fluffs the votes so annie whitman even though everyone agrees at the tryout is the most talented jessica fluffs the votes annie's out Correct. And then Rick, Ricky has to like tell Annie yes. that she was no longer allowed on the team. Yeah. And when Annie is like, Ricky, you got to tell me, you got to tell me why, you got to yeah. tell me why. And she's like crying and she's on a bench yes. and she's like doing some kind she's of weird cheerleading clueless. thing. Oh yeah. She shows him some of her tumbling, which is again, two cartwheels into a split, which I mean, I think gun to the head, you might be able to do. <laughs> Well, I have been a slut, so it's not going to be hard for me. I know how to get into a a bed. (laughs) Well, she wasn't in a bed. It was on the football field. But anyway. I'm just saying my world. That's how it works. (laughs) If you want double wheel split, you better be banging me till the morning. Anyway. Anyway, Ricky Capaldo is like this double cartwheel into a split. And he's like, oh, well, I have to tell you, Jessica hates you and thinks you're a slut. Yeah, she's like, no harlots allowed. Yes. Miss Annie Whitman. Yes, you're a slut. 15-year-old whore. Annie Whitman runs away. Yes. So upset. Ricky can't find her. She had no idea she had such a reputation. And then Ricky can't find her for days. She doesn't show up for school. So somehow Ricky, for some reason that we don't know how he got into her apartment, gets into her apartment, finds her white. 
and pale and sweating on the floor. Well, she's passed out, Elizabeth, because she tried to fucking kill herself because she did not make it on the cheerleading squad. What? Blaine? Brain exploded everywhere. What happened? This all happens in the last three chapters of the book. I mean, I was literally, shook. we were 100 pages in. There were about 10 left. Annie Whitman tries to kill herself. And I want to apologize to our listeners. We should have given you a trigger warning. Yes, Here's but we had warning. no trigger warning. But we did not know because that's yeah. how things rolled in the 80s. There were no trigger warnings. No triggers. And so she tries to kill herself. Next thing you know, Ricky Capaldo, unattractive, known short person, calls Elizabeth Wakefield and is like, oh my God, Annie tried to kill herself. Elizabeth's at home with her parents and her sisters and they're like you know what we're going to the hospital nobody's parents were ever like maybe don't involve yourself in another teen suicide <laughs> Jessica and Elizabeth off they go to the hospital they go to the hospital they see Ricky they start talking to Ricky mom shows up Mama, mom. Yeah, Mama Whitman shows up without Johnny because she's like you know what maybe my kid's killing her trying to kill herself means I shouldn't date this guy Johnny she Which, she realized that Immediately, as soon as she was called, that poor Annie was getting her stomach pumped. You know, the next call she made, breakup call to Johnny. <laughs> yeah, she was like, Johnny, you're out. You're You've been hitting on my girl, my kids' friends. Yes. You're like, I don't know what's going on. She had on. a full realization. Off screen, of course, we didn't see it. Then Jessica tells the doctor, she's like, yeah. I know that Annie is in a coma, but the thing that I can do to help wake her up is let her on the cheerleading squad it is so big of jessica and i think you know really what you want to take from this book is like if they don't let you on the cheerleaders if you then attempt suicide they will let you on the cheerleaders and not only will they let you the cheerleaders will show up to the hospital and do a fucking cheer outside your window but the Banger, the big thing, the Let's big reward it. at the end is after the cheerleaders have cheered you on, you've woken up from this coma, then the big bang, the big reward is Jessica and Elizabeth get to go to brunch. Yeah, they fa- they saved the fucking day. They're like mimosas, bitches. Yes, they did it. <laughs> I give this book an A+. Plus. <laughs> Kim L. Hunt has called Chicago home for over 30 years. She is a lifelong learner who believes deeply in the power of stories, advocacy, and a great pair of shoes. I'm telling you, her shoe collection is amazing. And you can see it on Instagram. I almost like, this is the most important thing about Kim, is her shoes. <laughs> yeah, you were definitely like, we've got to get our Instagram into the intro. <laughs> I was like, we've already plugged Outspoken and that yeah. she's been an LGBT <laughs> uh, Chicago Hall of Fame uh, inductee. But I'm like, I don't really care. The shoes matter. So please follow <laughs> her on Instagram at khunt62. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me and for plugging my Instagram and shoes. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. Follow. <laughs> Clicking follow. Uh, so we're, we're excited to have you. Uh, you've read the book. Tell us, what did you think? Like you, when we invited you to do the show, what did you think about that at first? And then kind of lead us into how you felt once you started reading it. Yeah, first of all, I was excited that you invited me. Uh, I get invited to, <laughs> to speak many places, and there's been nothing like this. So <laughs> I really appreciate that. Um, and, you know, I, when I was a young adult, you know, I read young adult books, and, and they were sort of in this vein, too. And even though this took place in the 80s, which is... Uh, uh, a time that I'm very familiar with. I graduated <laughs> from high school in 1980. Um, 
this was a way different experience than anything that I remember uh, high school being about. Although the pettiness and you know that kind of thing is was similar. Did you find that uh, these characters resonated with you? <laughs> Just like your growing up experience. Here's the thing, you know, I was with the geek group, so I wasn't like the popular girl or anything like that. And I do remember seeing the popular girls, but um, <laughs> that was not, <laughs> I wasn't, uh, well, one, I didn't know that I was a lesbian at the time, but also I was just not, not into that. <laughs> it was just too petty for me. So yeah, I love it. What did you, what did you find uh, most attract, like most interesting about the book versus like what you thought was kind of like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> well, there was a lot of, whoa, wait a second. But, uh, <laughs> no, not on this book. I, I think I, I resonated with the, um, what was it? Elizabeth, the, the journalist. Yes. Yeah. The nerdy yeah, one. Yeah. The nerdy one. That was me. Nerdy um, and nice. Yes, 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 yes. In fact, my uh, undergrad degree is in journalism. So I was with her all the way. And, and you know, let's let's all come together and bowl <laughs> and all of that. That was me. Um, I could not stand her sister. She got on my last, <laughs> last nerve, last possible nerve. <laughs> she was on it stomping all on it. <laughs> Jessica is the worst. We talk about her all the time. Cause like there's, there's the relationship between Elizabeth and Jessica is so painful. You it know, it is. It's like, girl, wake up. You don't see her. <laughs> they are twins, Kim. <laughs> I'm sorry. They are they... sisters. They're more than sisters. They're twins. She needs so... to let it go. <laughs> I mean, really, honestly, it's, it's like her codependency is this week's podcast that gets released is also about how codependent Elizabeth is. And um, every time someone is like, Elizabeth, why don't you notice how your sister is super awful? Um, Elizabeth is like, mad. I hate you. You're no longer my friend. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not sure that that's an inaccurate portrayal of siblings. That, that may be true. That's true. That's definitely that's like that, the, what they call, what, um, you can call my, I, you can't call, I can call my mom a bitch, but you can't call right, my mom right. a bitch syndrome. Exactly. But listen, what I really want to talk about is sluts. <laughs> <laughs> have either of you ever been called a slut? I for why? sure have. And I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you, when you were called it? I was, yes. I, I don't find, I have always admired um, everyone that I went to high school with who was labeled like a slut. Mm -hmm. I was like, if I could only be her, you know? Yeah. Well, I think the slut at your high school was the cool thing. That's how I, only that's, to you. that's how I saw it. Oh, okay. I thought it was, I thought it was like very cool. Yeah. Even when you were in high school. Yes. Because you have to remember. So I graduated high school in 1992. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was like prime time era of like David Lee Roth videos, oh, pour yeah. some sugar on Tawny Katane, like um, Motley Crue, like just high heels, mm -hmm. those um, high cut bikinis where they had the oh, flat yeah. butt ladies. <laughs> Pamela Anderson is Elizabeth's idol. She is all I want to be ever. Yes. Um, <laughs> so to me, a like, slut. <laughs> A slut, yes. Yeah. And like, yeah, I would have totally fucked Tommy Lee twice. You still would. <laughs> I still would. Yeah, I would never question sure. it. Um, <laughs> but that's how I saw it. I thought people were like, girls who did that, who looked like that to me when I watched those videos. And I understand that 
you know, Motley Crue wasn't like showcasing these women because they're smart and wonderful and like mm-hmm. can, can run the world. But I love that they use their power of sexuality to get like all these things that they allegedly wanted. Yeah. You know, um, so, that much later. What about you, Kim? Yeah, much much later, I came to um, uh, admire the chutzpah of those women. In high school, certainly not, because like I said, I, I graduated in 1980 in Kansas City, Missouri, and, um, you know, I had, uh, uh, I think, a more open outlook than many of the, the folks who I was... Uh, um, peers with um but of course there was that group where they just didn't give a shit what anybody thought about them and it took me a while to learn that those were the people you wanted to be not the folks who were so stuck up and scared of living right and i would put myself in that latter category just so afraid to step outside the line that um i felt like i missed out on a lot you were the Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, I totally was. Kim, Kim, tell us, like, are there sluts in the lesbian community? Is that oh, a yes. thing? <laughs> yeah? Definitely. Well, tell us about it. What is that world? I, I was Kim? like, I ran a roller derby league. I definitely can say yes. Well, listen, oh, yeah. Listen, you guys, my mom, when like 20 years ago, like packed everything up and moved to a lesbian retirement commune in Fort Myers, Florida. Look at right? Kim's face. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This is 100% a true story. And I just got to say, like, that was not a slutty environment. And, like, in a lot of the stereotypes. Sure? <laughs> well, from what I know, I mean, there, from what I know of this environment, actually, Kim, I love that you said that because she's fucking on it. So <laughs> the ladies there, like, you're not really allowed to hang out with like one-on-one with somebody else's partner like mm-hmm. everybody has to go out in groups of four mm-hmm. because yeah kim knows <laughs> you could steal away like somebody's partner and have like a scandal in the community yeah. um so that's like a real thing and you know there's always the stereotype of like you know you go bring to the second date you bring your u-haul so like i want to know kim tell us about s- lesbian sluts but i mean you guys are both much cooler than me so you probably know <laughs> A lot more slutty lesbians. My lesbian friends are all like married and have children. Yeah, well, I I will say I don't think I personally hang out with any slutty lesbians, but if (laughs) that would be interesting if I did. Um, And I will also say I spent a lot of time in the heterosexual world because I did not come out until I was in my 30s. I didn't even know that I needed to come out to anything. And it's all the same. It, yeah. it is all the same. Yeah. <laughs> so when people want to, to sleep around and have a good time, they find a way, no matter <laughs> what gender they are. Yes. Um, and you say, you know, in, in this commune that folks had to be in groups of four or whatever, I am certain that that did not always happen. And even if it did, there's nothing to prevent a group of four from being slutty. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I feel I like that should be the title of this episode. 100%. But I guess the real question is, are sluts vilified in the lesbian community in the same way that like heterosexual women really like to take a girl who wants to get fucked and just run her up the flagpole? I think that that's a great question. Um, I 
think there are, you know, different groups within the lesbian community, of course. Uh, there are some folks who just really do want to be coupled up. That's, that's all they're interested in being. Um, and there are folks, and, and I will say, I don't want to put this all on younger people because I'm sure there are older people who've gone through the same thing. Um, I am finding that younger people do not have the same, obviously, hangups or thoughts about what's a relationship and what isn't. Yeah. They're very clear. I have a really good friend who takes communication to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> very clear what is going on. She is dating multiple people. They all know it. Um, and they are together for a certain reason. And she's very clear on that. So I don't, I, you know, in a previous time, perhaps even today, that would be called slutty. I say goals. Hashtag goals. Yes. Because... <laughs> I, t I totally agree with you. I, uh, you know, I've raised two, two young women and I've always had a pretty uh, forward and moderate idea of mm -hmm. what sex should be um, because I've always had like a very strong stance. And I think this is probably because of my mom, you know, having grown up with someone who's super conservative about bodies and womanhood and what that means. And I'm always yeah. like, why? Because we haven't had a man do shit for us in our <laughs> entire life. <laughs> my dad left. My brother was too young. Then I got married in relationships. None of those things worked out for me. Mm. So like, why, <laughs> why are we protecting our vaginas for men? Like, I'm for not what? saving that shit. I'm spreading it around <laughs> like jam on toast. There you go. It's <laughs> like so angry about it. Um, but it's been great to me because I've been watching my kids and the way that they feel. My, my one daughter is very conservative. So I she, mean, same super, boyfriend since she was 13. She's 22. I mean, it's insane. Wow. They, they definitely have had a somewhat of a reaction Correct. to how free their mother is. Wow. <laughs> but when I watch all the other people around them, the, ki the kids that are their age and who are like, I'm pansexual or like I have mm -hmm. multiple partners or I'm not embarrassed to have an OnlyFans page. I feel like I've done some good in the world. <laughs> right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's what, my charity work. What would they say? Like, do they do um, your daughters ever talk about like sluttiness, like as a concept in high school or college? That has never been a conversation or wow. a word that I've ever heard in my household. Wow. And my youngest or my oldest kid will she'll post things on her Instagram about like women's health and women's vaginas and being sex positive. And it makes me feel really um, proud of them. Well, know? yeah. I mean, you've done a great job with those girls, 100%. Yeah. But I do sort of want to text Violet and be like, who is the slutty girl in your group? And find out if she knows. <laughs> because I feel like, I don't know. I mean, old habits die hard. Like, I have a hard time just believing that that is not a thing anymore. That everybody's mm -hmm. just like totally cool. Like, you mm -hmm. can be a woman in high school having sex with multiple people. And everyone's just like, yeah, dude, that's hot. It's cool. I don't know if people think that it's necessarily cool, but I think that people have learned to understand to take the judgment from it. Yeah. That you don't have to necessarily mm -hmm. judge someone because they sleep around a lot. Now in this book, Annie Whitman, we never actually get confirmation if she's actually sleeping around. She's just going to like the dairy she's burger. Yeah. Whatever yeah, she's just is. going to the <laughs> and this, 
this is sort of my favorite thing about Sweet Valley High as like a concept and as a series is that it always like tiptoes right up to the line leads you there and it gets you to the point where you would fill in the blanks but then it turns like it never says Annie is like dry humping Annie is a blowjobber Annie like it never gives you that but it leads you to believe and the poor girl is 15 but obviously she's from a broken home so obviously she's gonna be a slut well I mean And to Adrian's point, Kim, I have questions for you regarding like that too. You know, as you, you've grown and you've evolved and you've changed a lot, you know, during Mm -hmm. that period of your life, when you're around the age of 15 and you're exploring your sexuality and especially like in this book where they're constantly reemphasizing how good these girls look, they're like, they're so gorgeous. They're so gorgeous. They're so gorgeous. And they're, they like tiptoe around it, but they don't quite get there. What was it like for you around that age? I mean, do you, do you, you, do you like go back and think about how different that is for you now? I mean, it's vastly different. (laughs) It's vastly different. Um, Yeah. You know, some of the things that, that, that came up around that is one, you don't really hear from these guys. And when I was in high school, if there was a slutty girl, guys were definitely talking about that and they were the ones perpetuating that. For sure. Um, but in when I was in high school, um, again, I was a nerd. I had two people that I hung around with, both guys, both also nerds. Um, I don't think they ever dated in high school. Um, I did have a boyfriend or two that I quickly got rid of because I just, it's like one guy, uh, <laughs> this is off topic. But, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, we, we love story story. We love story time. I was dating this one guy for a hot second um, and I dumped him because he started from the moment I, you know, you go through this thing. I don't know you, you're of a slightly different generation, but you know, you had to confirm that you were dating when I was, uh, and that you were just dating each other. So once now, I- are you talking about a letterman's jacket? Or are you talking about something <laughs> a little, a little? No, none of that. He wasn't an athlete. This guy was just—he was a They're great dresser. Nerds. Yeah, this this particular guy was not a nerd, so I was really shocked that he was even attracted to me. Um, but you know, I, I did obviously com- not gone to like the nerd site <laughs> on Pornhub. <laughs> They did not have the internet Let's when go. I was in high school. <laughs> um, but he he's, he wanted to tell me how to dress. And because uh, he's like, if you know, if you're going to be with me, you got to dress a certain way. And I was not wearing dresses. And um, I just wasn't into that. I should have known something was up with me. But I Wait, did you dump him because he wanted I to tell I dumped his ass. Hell yes, you did. No, no, you're not going to tell me what the drink No. How did, how did you break up with him? What did you say to him? I just said, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> Girl, let me tell you, even to this day, the men on Bumble say things in their profile that are like, um, I need someone who's like a good dresser. Oh, and I'm like, and I'm no. Like, For what? Jim? <laughs> oh, no. You're 47 years old. <laughs> you, you know, let me just say, I'm a serial monogamist and none of my partners have been good dressers. I think there can only be one good dresser in the household. That would be me. Okay, girl. <laughs> you raised some kids though, right? Yes, 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 yes. I was going to ask you, Elizabeth, and, and I know, Adrian, you have um, you have a child too, right? Yes, he's 11. He's 11. Not a how- slut yet, but I think he'd like to be. Good, 
well, you know, and kudos to him when that yeah. happens. <laughs> Elizabeth, how old are yours? Mine are now uh, 19 and 22. Okay. So mine are 26 and 30. And the oldest one, much more conservative. The youngest one is just ready for a party. Okay. Um, <laughs> a safe party these days. She's also a little bit of a hypochondriac. But... Uh, <laughs> But she's the one who would examine slut shaming and and all of this uh, on Facebook. Uh, so every <laughs> angle, yeah. But... <laughs> well, has she taught you anything about it that you didn't know? I just I wouldn't say that because of the spaces that I work in. Right. Um, so and I've had to you know it' been again being from Kansas City, Missouri. You know, it's not a big town. <laughs> And I'm in Chicago, been here for a long time and have worked with youth uh, over the years and have just learned to not be shocked or not show that I'm shocked yeah. <laughs> from some of the things that I hear and be much more open. So I wouldn't say that my 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 youngest daughter amazes me with the level of compassion that she has for people on Facebook. <laughs> Yeah. And she delves very deeply into various topics. Um, but I wouldn't say that she necessarily taught me anything. And I think the work that I have done over the years has actually helped me open up quite a bit so that um, my hope is that for my daughters, they will know that just do you. Do what you yeah. want to do. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks about it. Well, and that's kind of like how Annie is. She doesn't know she's a slut. She has no idea. She has a reputation. She's like, oh, I'm going out with Rick at six, and then I'm going out with Tim at 10. And she's just like living life. Like and she's that's having... how it should be. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I think that's the whole thing with slut shaming. And that's when I, you know, when we talk about one of the things that I had said to both my kids when they were growing up was like, I was, I said, you know, you should have a sexy, healthy, like it's not sexy, but, um, a healthy, like fun sex life. But the thing that I don't want you to ever do. And I think this is probably the truth and where it comes in, in this story. And just in like reflecting on my high school experience, don't ever let sex be a way to validate your existence. Yeah. Because right. I have, I definitely have felt that way. I've definitely been like, Oh, if I sleep with this boy, for some reason I'm justified or elevated because of this physical relationship I have with them. Mm -hmm. I didn't know is no one would tell anybody that they slept with me because I was really ugly. I slept with so many guys and they were just like, you know, they're like Elizabeth Gomez who they like, <laughs> and they're not telling anyone. No. As a fact, the day after I lost my virginity, um, my ex-boyfriend or my boyfriend at the time, or I thought he was my boyfriend, um, I found out was uh, actually sleeping with another woman and her name was Tavy, and uh, she ended up being a lesbian in the Shout future. Shout out to Tavy. So, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so it was like, oh, it's such great news to find out that he didn't know how to fuck her either. <laughs> well, that's the thing. High school boys, 
you guys are going to be good. Yeah, yeah. My mom, both my parents were teachers and I like, don't, the two things I remember about my sexual education from my parents was one, they used to play this VHS tape that was like, I can't remember what it was called, but like literally it was probably like the hot technology of the time. There would be like an egg and you'd see the sperm swimming towards the oh egg. Oh my Lord. And like, you get like this whole, like really like graphic, like this is how babies are made moment. But then the other thing I remember is that like my mom at one point said something to me. She was like, these high school girls, they don't use protection and then they get knocked up and then they never had any pleasure at all. And she was like outraged about that. And honestly, you know, it was sort of fucked up, but I'm kind of like, I'm glad she said this shit because like I knew from like an early age that like being pleasured was an important thing that yeah. you shouldn't do it unless you shouldn't yeah. take these risks of like getting knocked up unless you were also getting something out of the deal. And you know what? I got to say from the very beginning, it always went pretty well for me. I was like, Adrian, oh, how's your deal for that kid workout? Hey, I told you, my first time was on a waterbed with- no, I'm talking about the deal with, oh. with Max. <laughs> what deal with Max? You were just saying that if, if everyone, everyone, anyone has, um, if anyone has, uh, your mom was telling you if you're going to get knocked up, for oh. day, you should have a pleasure. And I'm like- uh, Well, <laughs> I don't know. All I know is I'm just thinking about Elizabeth gave my child a sex book. And ever since then, our whole lives- I mean, it was from the Women and Children Feminist Bookstore. So oh, it was like all, all the right shit. But, you know, ever since we've had a lot of sex here that I'm not that interested in talking <laughs> about. <laughs> Kim, how did you talk to your girls about sex? I was pretty open about it. Um, and it wasn't just one conversation, right? Because I remember my mom having, having the talk with, with me. Um, and I think my sister may have been there too. My sister was uh, maybe 10, 14 months younger than I was. Uh, and um, I had had sex education in school. My mom did not have sex education in school. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so when she wanted to have the talk with me, she went down this path that was more about, you know, the Bible and this kind of stuff. My mother was not really. Ooh, it's she never great religious. to bring the Bible in and into the bedroom talk. Religious. <laughs> she did not know how to talk about that. Yeah, like typically and, it doesn't bring that many pointers. No, and I said, Mom, that is not what happens. <laughs> that is not how it Well, there's goes. like an impregnated virgin in there. That's like a cornerstone Let story. Let us talk it's about tough. that in yeah. another podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to hear Kim's podcast yes. on this virginity yes, issue. It's tough. <laughs> so I had to school my mother a little bit. Um, so when my, my daughters came around, you know, I was just very, very open with them and um, gave them condoms and all this I hope their dad isn't listening to this podcast, but yeah, I did. I hope he he is. Safe. Yeah, I was going to say he should be thanking you. Yeah, dad, <laughs> good job. Kim did a great job. Yeah, and shout out favor. Yeah, but you talked about pleasure for high schoolers uh, earlier, and one of my nieces um, got pregnant when she was she had just graduated and was actually about to go off to college, and you know wanted to have sex with her boyfriend uh, and of course didn't have a conversation with anybody and I don't he pulled out but it was too late 
And, you know, so I get this call because all of my family is in Kansas City and like, oh, such and such is pregnant and it's terrible and all that. And I'm like, this was her first time? God, first of all, to get knocked up. But secondly, I hope she got some pleasure out of that. It's tough, man, right? Because that is a big price to fucking pay. Yes. Like, that is... Ugh, and it, her daughter are fine, by the way. She has her of course uh, they are because graduate degree in and social work. Nervous. Yeah, she's fine. Yes, she's fine. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the world didn't end because she got pregnant, but uh but still that's tough, man. Like let's yeah. that off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you yeah. know, even to these this day, women are not supposed to have pleasure yeah. during sex. And it's what the hell? What is yeah. that about? <laughs> it is about men, Kim. <laughs> Which is why. <laughs> Which is why. Listen, this is Kim, this is Kim's life today. Kim has made good choices. That's Kim, what I know. Kim's like, men are trash. I will say that my ex husband is actually great. Uh, <laughs> We're friends. <laughs> Shout out to him. Shout out to your ex-husband, uh, which Adrian and I would never shout out to I was going to say, not shout out to our ex-husbands. <laughs> Just to be clear. Stay tuned to the bonus episode no. of Woke where we're really going to get into that. Well, speaking of ex-husbands and single mm -hmm. mothers. Yes, let's talk I about really it. Want, I got to say. So something I have realized doing this podcast is, you know, Elizabeth and I read the books, we have on guests who've read the books, and we talk about these things. And I have realized I am the only person who took these books really seriously <laughs> and was like, oh, yes, these are goals. This is how you should live. You need to be like beautiful. You should be a cheerleader. You should, you know, you know, I, I, I know it's, it's upsetting for me, but so then I'm reading this book, right? And like the depiction of poor Annie Whitman's single mother, I was just like, I was texting Elizabeth and I was like, this is why when I became a single mother, I was so ashamed because yeah. the whole <laughs> depiction of who yeah. she is, is it's not only just in Sweet Valley High, but it's literally everything single mothers are painted to be in the media of that time. Mm -hmm. So I, I have a very different um, reflection on single motherhood because my grandmother was a single mom. My mom was a single mom. I was a single mom. And to me, single moms get shit done. It's like that song from Hamilton about and immigrants. <laughs> well, you had immigrants and single moms. <laughs> I feel, I feel like that's, that's the lyric. Like I have so much respect for single moms. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they're, they are like really, the, they are the ones who, who rise up and take care yeah. of the business all the time. Yeah. Did you have a lot of, did, how long were you a single mom or were you a single mom or did you trans? transition into like a relationship right after the divorce um a relationship that didn't last and then and then <laughs> the relationship that i'm in now that's we've been together over 21 years um but you know i i have a hard time calling myself a single mom only because i had so much support which many single moms do right um i love that I love yeah that. i mean there are very few of us Unfortunately, although there are some that exist that are raising children all by ourselves. Um, my mom was a single mom. Uh, in fact, <laughs> she was always looking for love. And, and I mean that in a positive way. But she was married 
four times. Oh, <laughs> oh Would have been five, but she's like, you know, fuck it, we're just gonna live together. <laughs> <laughs> and that lasted about five she's years. Like, but... She's like, I, I understand now four times later. <laughs> yeah, not walking down the aisle again. But um, to your point though, Elizabeth, she got shit done. And you know, there were big gaps between these husbands, right? And uh, we ate every day. We were never evicted, probably came close, but you know, growing up, I had no idea. It was when the men were there that things were shitty. Oh, <laughs> damn it. This is a real theme today. Because you know, know, they want to rein stuff in and control yeah. things. And and here you've got this woman who who's been running it, but then also is, you know, was brought up. During a time where you should want a husband, right? You should want someone to take care of you. She did not want to be the queen of her castle in the way that she was. She wanted a prince, you know, and uh, never got that. And when when uh, a, a man was there, when she was married or dating, there was always tension. Um, we didn't like him, whoever it was, first of all, uh, because our mother was, we had her to ourselves for one thing, but also she was getting shit done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, she, and, and things were like running a certain way. Yeah. You know, I, I really, I mean, I, sh- I will say this, you know, my ex-husband is not as terrible as I make him out to be, but I, I do have issues with it. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, when I divorced my ex-husband, my mom was like, Oh, you know, she's Korean and she's like very much, um, very involved in the same kind of generation where it was like, it's more important to be married than it is to be, to to be a woman in your own right. And she was just like, I can't believe you're going to divorce him. Why would you divorce him? And I was like, mom, he hasn't done shit for me. (laughs) Yeah. I don't understand why I'm carrying this baggage and her ideas of like how important it was to have a man in your home was Mm -hmm. so rooted in like her fear of realizing who she was as a human being mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. really taking her power and being proud of that. But I think like nowadays, even, you know, Adrian and I bonded a lot when we met each other because I don't know very many women who've experienced single motherhood. And, um, we talk about this all the time. It's Adrian, you know, I'm always like, Adrian, you should date someone. And she's just like, why disrupt my world? <laughs> no, I'm just like, I, 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 get I, it. I just don't need a drain on my already <laughs> limited resources. And typically most men that roll in here are a drain on already limited resources. And I'm like, I've not met a man who I thought was going to come in here because I'm getting shit done, right? Yeah. So I have not met a man who yeah. I thought I was gonna yeah. come in here and like ease my burden or like make my mm-hmm. lighter, or even if he wasn't gonna do any of those things, he was just gonna like fuck me right and stay mm-hmm. out of the way. Not yeah. even that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do- What you think would be attractive. Yeah, right? no, they don't wanna do that either. <laughs> I don't know, I do have to say though, like when I read Elizabeth, not Elizabeth Gomez, but Elizabeth Wakefield at Uh Annie's house all the times and her being so aghast at Annie's life, which included a single mother who might've had a couple of glasses of wine after work with her friends. I mean, we don't even know what happened. The bitch is like 30 years old. (laughs) Of course. Right. Yeah. But Elizabeth is so aghast at 
this mother and this situation. And I have to say, that is how I felt when I became a single mother. I felt that the world was Elizabeth's mm-hmm. looking at me and what a trash bag I had become, which is like a real bummer and sad. Really, yeah. I mean, my son was nine months old and I got divorced from like an abusive person who was awful to me. So instead of like, but it wasn't empowering for me. It spent, I mean, it was eventually, but I did a lot of therapy because a lot of my grief, I think was mixed up in this Mm -hmm. kind of like image problem that I had. And like, even when I started like dating and getting, you know, again, and getting older, like I was like, oh, I can't tell people I'm a single mother because, you know, they'll have all these like growing pains, Kirk Cameron, Sweet Valley (laughs) High, like all these conceptions of what that means about what a terrible slut failure I am. Yeah. I mean, it, so when I read this, it just really kind of, I, as I keep coming back to this thing where I'm like, this shit really affected what I thought about the world. Like it really mm. affected me in a way that like I had no concept of at the time. And still yeah. now, you know, as a 40 year old woman, it's like all of a sudden I'm like, shit, like these are very real things. These are very real messages that we're giving girls. And like, just like we right. joked about before we started recording, like there's no black people at Sweet Valley mm-hmm. High. Mm-hmm. Like on yep. every level, the messages are very fucked up. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because even in this conversation, all three of us have come from broken homes, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. all three of us in this conversation. Yeah. And yeah. broke our own homes. And, and yeah. <laughs> we're like, chop, 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 chop. <laughs> Fuck this house. Well, you guys are <laughs> happily married now. <laughs> but you know, I, yeah, I also think, and uh, you know, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, Kim. Uh, when my parents split up, I was like, this is the greatest thing for this family to happen. Mm, yeah. I was I like I was sad that we weren't gonna be part of this like American ideal of a four four-person household, mm-hmm. but my parents didn't belong together. And it was clear that both were unhappy. So when they broke up, I was like, this is great. <laughs> this is like the most yeah. amazing thing that could have happened. How did you feel when your parents split up? What did you think about that? That's interesting because, you know, I mentioned my mother's been married four times. So <laughs> I don't even remember living with my dad. They divorced when um, I was about three. Um, my dad was always in my uh, the life of my sister and I uh, in some way, shape or form. He was... Um, an alcoholic for much of his life, but not an abusive alcoholic, just a very talkative alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> very talkative. Um, so the divorce that I remember was the divorce of my stepfather, my brother's father, uh, and my mother. And for much of that time, I didn't know that there were any issues. It was when they were nearing time for the divorce, and apparently he had many affairs, which is what um, drove them uh, apart. Uh, But he got violent towards the end, I would say even probably after the separation. So I had some really, you know, confusing feelings about that Mm -hmm. because I thought it was a far as I knew, a stable household. And then towards the end, there's all this horrible stuff happening. And, you know, there were times when I just absolutely hated him, but also times when I was like, I actually love him, but it's so weird. But I do remember, and I don't know what the 
issue was, there was some point, I think I was in the third grade, where um, there was some form that needed to be filled out for uh, kids, but it's not, it wasn't a form that you took home. The teacher asked you questions in the classroom. And one of the questions was, uh, are your parents married? And, yeah. you know, I'm, what I was in the H's and we're alphabetical. So I'm, you know, I'm listening to the earlier kids and being horrified that I'm going to have to report that my parents are divorced. And then I hear these other kids, you know, also ashamed saying Mm -hmm. my parents are divorced. My parents, not everybody, but enough for me to go, damn. (laughs) (laughs) That is so exciting. That is such like a great way to end that story. Because I I love that, like, that's one of the things that I think is so important in storytelling, which we've talked about a million times, which is like, Mm -hmm. when you think that you're the only one, and then you connect with someone, Mm -hmm. you know, which again, uh, is why Adrian and I became such good, like, I -hmm. I didn't know anyone with this. And I, I also, I, as much as I'm like, I was very, I'm proud to be a single, have been a single mom, because I feel like that's a badge of honor. Absolutely. Um, It doesn't, it doesn't mean that I didn't have feelings and I didn't feel right. de- degraded in some ways or embarrassed or, or, or humiliated. But, but listen, I mean, divorced I, family too. I'm also way. ashamed yeah. that I was never a cheerleader, which was really, if you learn anything from sweet Valley high, you learn <laughs> that so I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> you not only will fit in, but you're about to have a great fucking life. We so met important. Robin Wilson in an earlier book. She was fat. She got skinny. She became a cheerleader. Everything's oh. great now. We meet Annie Whitman. Mm-hmm. She wants to be a cheerleader. They say no. She tries to kill herself. And then they say yes. Everything's oh, great bullshit. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would you, you make of the whole suicide? No way. Holy shit. Gonna let her on. <laughs> All right. We got to clear no the room floor. Kim is going to go in. Yeah. There's no way that girl would have gone there. She didn't fucking care what people thought about her. <laughs> she didn't care. I cannot believe that she was so into being a cheerleader that that's, that, that it was- life and death. That was everything for her in what, that way. What, 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 was your, what was your reaction when you, cause the book was sailing along, right? <laughs> Why I go there? <laughs> It was just sailing along and you're like, I felt like, you know, I had been uh, told to take a particular train. <laughs> <laughs> I got on the train. I got all the signals that I was on the right train. And then all of a sudden this train goes down a whole different track. Yes. Listen, not you know, necessary. You know, I know I'm always the one beating the like, what Sweet Valley High message did this give me and other people <laughs> and children thing, but this one is especially fucked. Like it's really the girl doesn't get to be on the cheerleading team. Yeah. She takes yeah. a bunch of pills and tries to kill herself, which is already fucked up. But yeah. then it's the triply fucked up that then they come and they give her what she wanted and why she tried to kill herself and they give it to her and then she's fine. And like this idea it's a very obviously (laughs) simplistic view of like mental health and but like it is almost like a roadmap for girls to make poor decisions (laughs) yeah and it's confusing because there well there's so many things but on the one hand you have women 
and girls delivering these really fucked up messages yeah throughout the book and on the other hand the women and the girls have all the power yeah. <laughs> yes right like jessica can, jessica can slut shame this girl into killing herself yeah and then she, she becomes the life. hero yeah yeah so what did you right. think about that that was awful no. <laughs> <laughs> no no you don't get to do that ma'am no jessica should be named karen because <laughs> jessica is 100 percent karen these days yeah she did all the karen things yes. and she should not get to be the hero or the shiro uh and at the end of the book there was that doctor that was also very patriarchal and he's like well do you really think that you can help <laughs> you her? know like oh i really promised to put her on the cheerleaders and the whole scene is just so upsetting <laughs> Did that totally give you Young and the Restless vibes, Kim? Yes. She almost yes. fucked that doctor. Totally. <laughs> All right. Are, are we going to do, we're going to do a round well, robin right, before, of final before we, thoughts. Before we get to final. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's, we're going to do a round robin of final thoughts. We're going to start with Elizabeth Gomez. Okay. I thought the book was very fun and I would like, to, <laughs> I would like to read it again, even though it's full of fucked up admits. Okay. Kim, final thoughts. You, you have a lot I longer than I do. to say that. I would probably read the other books. <laughs> I can't believe she said that. Yeah, it's like popcorn. Yes. <laughs> it just it's, takes about an hour and a half yes. on a Sunday. And it took me away from all the, the real fucked up things in life. Yes. Um, even though, and I could yell at the characters and all of that. But yeah, it, yeah. It, it's of another time, that's for yes. sure. <laughs> Yes. And my final thoughts are this book is an A plus read. I had a great fucking time and it's the best book we've read so far. I do think it's the best book we've read so far, which brings us to the game. Kim. Yeah, let's play a game with Kim. So we're going to play a quick game with you okay. and it's called um, Surviving Sweet Valley High. Can wow. you do it? <laughs> now that you've lived in the Sweet Valley High universe, we're going to play Surviving Sweet Valley High where we give you the scenario. And then you, Kim L. Hunt, should tell us how you would personally handle the situation. <laughs> okay. And then, and after, then we'll tell you if you did it right or not. That's correct. And as Kim today or as yes, Kim then? Just you. <laughs> okay. You as like a black lesbian woman who is just like. <laughs> who is fantastically smart and correct. funny and woke and cool. But then you had like this freaky Friday moment where you had to like go back into high school. Okay. Number okay. one. You're at home with your twin sister when the phone rings. It's Todd Wilkins, <laughs> tall, blonde, hottie from the Sweet Valley High basketball team. He asks for your sister, who you know has been crushing on him hard, but you're not sure that he's right for her, and secretly, you want him for yourself. Kim, what do you do? <laughs> so there are parts of this that have been true in my life. <laughs> <laughs> My my sister was the dater. She's she was the one. She had all the boyfriends and all of that. And if somebody was calling, it was for her. Um, and I I had crushes on very few guys. So, <laughs> so <there's that. laughs> um, I think I would give her the phone. But back in the day, since you know we're talking about an actual shared phone, I would probably <laughs> listen 
to part of that conversation. Hell yes, girl. That was the jam. Yes. Figure out how to cover up the little. That's holes. right. That's right. Yes. That's right. And yes. make it sound like you hung up, but you didn't mm. really hang up. Yeah. I did oh, that a Kim, few times. You have given me so much insight about who you are in the heart. <laughs> Wait, let okay. me read one. Well, hold on. I got to the answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so Kim says that she would uh, give, her the, give her the phone and then secretly listen to the conversation to find right. out what happens. I love that answer. I'm into it. But the real answer is <laughs> you would accuse Todd Wilkins of molesting you in his car. <laughs> if everyone could have seen Kim's face, it was pure shock. <laughs> All right, Kim, are you ready for number two? Okay. Now I know how this goes. All right. No, but you got to answer it as your full self. All okay, right. A fully realized woman. Fully okay. realized woman. Gotcha. Yes. Chubby new girl Robin Wilson approaches you and tells you that she wants to join Sweet Valley High Sorority Pi Alpha Beta. She's looking forward to pledging and can't wait to make new friends. She approaches you and asks if you have any tips for her to get into the sorority. What advice do you give? Run. <laughs> you do not need that. There's going to come a time when you will come to understand that this was not your destiny, it will only hurt you. <laughs> Although I am a member of a sorority, I will put that Kim, That was 100% incorrect. <laughs> what you would do is fat shame her until she loses weight, and then you get mad when she joins the cheerleading. <laughs> when she give does Kim, what I told her to give do. Give Kim one more chance to get it right. <laughs> Side note, though, Kim, what was the name of your sorority? Delta Sigma Theta. It is a black sorority uh, founded in 1913. Nice. Um, and, Are the colors uh, pink and ne like neon pink and that green? That is that's uh, a rival. Alpha, alpha that's Kappa, a fucking alpha. rival. Elizabeth does thing. not here's understand thing, sororities. No, that you're you're right about that. But here's the thing: during this election season. There were many videos of the black sororities, a representative of black sororities, strolling to the polls. Hell they had yeah. their together. They had their colors on. They had their high heels, very thin. Um, and they were strolling to the polls. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I, I was also it. a sorority girl, Kim, so we've got that in common. Oh. <laughs> I was not a sorority girl, to no one's surprise, and I have no idea what a sorority No, she does. doesn't understand anything. She's always like, you join. I'm like, but you pledge. <laughs> you pledge. That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, here's your last question. Okay. You find out that Enid Rollins has a sordid history with drugs and rehab including hitting a child with her car when oh, she was wow. tweaked out with her lover. <laughs> but she's changed now and straightened out her life. Her new boyfriend doesn't know anything about her former life, but she knows she needs to be honest about it to move forward. How do you tell her to approach it? <laughs> Girl, you have to spill the tea. Just get it out there. You gotta don't don't start a relationship on lies. You can't. That is great advice. Just rip <laughs> yeah, out the band. Totally wrong though. <laughs> but completely not right completely at all. Wrong. She would not yes. survive in Sweet Valley High. <laughs> I would not. <laughs> the answer is you don't tell them. 
you just leave and you don't, you don't tell anything to her. You don't say anything to Enid Rollins. What you do is you leave a note in her boyfriend's locker, spilling all her secrets Damn. so that she gets found out. And then you get to be the fall dance queen. Duh. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Kim is like dead. <laughs> Kim, I don't think you're making it Sweet Valley High. No, I am not. I, it just put me with the nerds. Put but you know what? You nerds. made it at Wokefield and we fucking love you. <laughs> I loved it. We you were so much fun. This Thank you so, cool. so much for coming. Kim, where can our, where can all our fans find you? So a couple of places. I will be telling a story at Outspoken. Um, I don't know if uh, when this is it's broadcasting, but um, it will be archived. And then it, my day job is uh, as an executive director of uh, Pride Action Tank, which is a project incubator and think tank on LGBTQ issues. Okay. <laughs> uh, you also did not plug again your Instagram. Yeah, tell us what hey. it is again. Yes, at K Hunt. Six two, where you can see my shoe porn. I am <laughs> there on lots. There's She's years a slut worth. for shoes. I hey. absolutely am. I will do anything for a pair of shoes. You know what? Right <laughs> after you follow Kim, you got to follow Wokefield Pod. That's us. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta yeah. Follow, follow us on Instagram, pod. but not on Facebook because Facebook is a graveyard. Yeah. No, we're done with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to all of our listener, for, listeners for listening to Wokefield. Thank you, Kim. We really appreciated having you here. And also a special thanks to the mythical Francine Pascal and all the unaccredited ghostwriters who turned this shit out so we could read under the covers all night long. Hey, you know what? Come back next week when we're going to be finally reading my most favorite book of the entire season. The reason I never did cocaine in college, On the Edge, where Regina Morrow does one line of coke and immediately dies. I cannot wait. This is oh, wait, the book? wait. Also, rate and review us on your favorite oh. podcast app because just like Bruce Pantman, we live for the applause. The applause. Applause. Okay. Now you, now you do your cute sign <laughs> All off. right. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you from Wokefield. <laughs> Tell the truth and shame the devil.